0: All right. Hello. How are you? I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. Hello, and thank you for having me. How's your day going? My day is going
1: good. Just been sitting here. I just got off the internet with my PE class that I also do as another job <gasps> opportunity <laughs> uh-huh. and enjoying this weird weather. You know, aches and pains come with, you know, all this cold weather. So
0: mm. but it's doable. Yeah. Well, tell me about this PE class. What's going on with that? Well, besides in the hair
1: business for 25 years, I just started um, in 2019 as a paraeducator with the Oxnard Union High School District. So I am a assistant to the special ed department with several teachers. Mm
0: -hmm. So I,
1: I assist in one class where they from 9th through 12th grade. And then I do one-on-ones with two students. And then I also help assist a PE teacher with a PE class.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: then I also help and assist in a director studies class, which is what they, they just come in and do work in different classes if they need help. So I've been doing that for right at a year, August 2020 made a year.
0: Wow. I mean, that's a huge jump from going and having a a hairstyling business to now taking this on. So how did you get into that? What made you want to do that?
1: Well, it all started together. I was born and raised in Mississippi. My grandmother did hair. My mother did hair. And my grandmother raised me from about two and a half till about 13. So I've always seen hair. I always wanted to do hair. But then me and my best friend, she was the only child. And in the back of her house, she had a playroom. And her dad kind of divided it up. So it was a beauty shop and a schoolhouse. So we both kind of was always into the school thing, but I was the only one into hair.
0: So mm-hmm.
1: as we got older, you know, my parents moved us here when I was 16. I'm back in the summer of 88. My dad had two brothers and a sister that lived here and two aunts and all of their kids. So I moved out here and did my last two years at Channel Islands High School, graduated in '90. And getting ready to, you know, go off to, I was in college, Adventure College, did two years there, played basketball, received a scholarship to the University of California Bakersfield. But in the process of that, I lost both my parents to a drunk driver on my 22nd birthday in 94. So at that point, I had to uh, either decide if I'm going to go to school and leave my younger siblings here. I had a son at the time who was uh, right around three when it happened. Mm -hmm. And I guess being raised in the South and with my parents, my grandparents, you know, a lot of siblings, my uncles, I decided to give up my scholarship. I had already started doing the beauty school. So I dove into that full force. Did that and got my license in October of 95, started working and stayed here so I can help take care of my my siblings. My younger sister at the time of my parents' death was uh, nine years old. My uh, second youngest sister was 14 and my brother was 19. So I decided to do that. And in the midst of that, me and my husband, we were dating at the time. I got married and then had my second daughter, my second child, which is my only girl. And then I just dove right into doing hair. And I did hair for about six months, booth rental. And then I decided to go on my own as a sole proprietor and did that up until about 10 years ago. And then I became a business owner. So I've been doing hair for 25 years, a business owner for a little bit over 10. But then once my youngest son was, well, it was right before his senior year, they had a position to come up at the uh, district and well going backwards i started going back to school after i had my my daughter so in from 98 into 2008 i went back to school got my bachelor's degree in liberal studies and science and then did hair up until it was a uh, time for me to venture out again now that my kids were older because hair gave me the opportunity to be able to you know go to school be at their schools help participate mm-hmm. in boosters Um, help run youth programs and football and track. So that allowed me to do that being, you know, an entrepreneur. Right. In 2019, I applied for the position just, just to, you know, just to be doing something, so let me start using my degree a little bit. And I think a week until after I did the little training, they called and said they needed an assistant, a sub at the time. So I went in, and then three weeks into the position, the uh, assistant principal asked if he found me a position, would I be willing to come on full time? And I was like, yeah, because with my business, I can still work.
0: Right. So we we'll do
1: that from eight at the time when we were still in school before COVID. Yeah. That- eight to three. I coach track also at the high school. So I did that until about three 30. And then if I had clients, I went to the shop. So right. that's how I've been able to do both this last year.
0: Yeah. So let me break some of this stuff down. So one hand, this is like a generational kind of career because it's got passed down. So on one hand, you know, you grew up around this. So there was like naturally this love towards it. But do you think that this would have been your calling if your mother and your grandmother didn't do this, didn't do hair?
1: Yes, because I've always did, even at the right age. I think I was about third grade when I kind of started doing my own hair. I was uh-huh. cutting it. You know, I was braiding my younger sister's hair um, because my parents both worked evening shifts. So I was always being the oldest. I was always at home. So it kind of just pulled me in that direction, Um, even though my dad was in the medical field. And that's kind of where I started when I Mm -hmm. went off to college. I was actually going for nursing and doing the hair. The hair had I had already started that Mm -hmm. career part. But nursing was the next best thing because, you know, Living in California, it's like, oh, okay, you can get a you know a good paying job in nursing. But then the accident happened. And at that time, I just wasn't at my state of mind. Wasn't at that point, I couldn't be in a hospital
0: because yeah, of yeah. what I've
1: just been through. So I kind of put that on the back burner and gave that up and just drove right into the hair
0: mm. business. Thank you for being so open about your loss and, you know, my condolences Thank you. even though it's been years but still you know losing parents oh, yeah. are hard so if you're open to like kind of diving into this what was it like you know having you know it's not only did you lose your parents but then you also had your own child and then you mm-hmm. also had to take care of your siblings that's a huge transition in life and then you're like all right let me figure this out and, and start working towards a business how did you do that how did you actually get through through all of that, with all of that circumstances changing. <laughs>
1: By the grace of God.
0: <laughs> Amen.
1: <laughs> A lot of prayer, supportive, uh family. At the time, my husband, now we were dating before it happened. We actually broke up. Yeah, We was actually broken up in the time when it happened. But I can tell you, um, I always say God puts people in your life at the right time. And even though we wasn't dating, he was there for me through the whole process, helped me with my siblings, and then just found our way back to each other. Uh, My grandmother, you know, even my aunt, they were like, you know, you don't have to give up school. You can go to school. I said, I'm pretty sure... I don't, but being the oldest, being raised Southern roots, you yeah. know, my mm-hmm. parents, it was always, you know, always help take care of your, your youngest siblings. Yes. And mm-hmm. that's just what I, there was no second guessing. Right. You know, I was like, I became the parent, even though we had my grandmother and my aunts here, I was who they knew full time. Right. And then having my son, he had just turned three in March and then they got killed in July and mm-hmm. uh, he was the first grandchild. So It really hit him hard. And I just knew that um, I had to just move forward. There was going to be, there was a lot of setbacks, but Mm -hmm. um, I don't take it for granted. I still continue school. And like I always tell my kids, regardless of what's thrown at you, you still can push forward.
0: Yeah, I got married,
1: had two more kids finished school between all of that. And then, you know, ran a business and then went back to school some more. <laughs> so it's, it's doable if you just put your mind to it and persevere through it.
0: Yeah. I was born in Idaho, but only mm-hmm. lived there until I was two. And then was raised in Ojai, California. So okay. quite a different, probably way of living. So mm-hmm. kind of piggybacking on that, you know, you grew, come from Mississippi, is that what you said? Yes. And in the South, like I have, you know, the Southern charm, right? And there's, it's such a different vibe. So what has it been like for you going from that kind of a life to moving to California, nonetheless here? And is it different? The, the vibe, the lifestyle different?
1: Oh yeah, it was, it was very different. Even though I used to come for the summers, because like I said, my dad had his twin brother and sister lived here and then my oldest uncle. So they've been here since the early sixties. My grandmother had two sisters that migrated out here in the fifties. So as I got older, I was able to come for the summers and visit, but you know, it's always different when you're coming for the summer, you know, you, you're going to go back home. Yep. So when my dad took vacation that year in May of 1988 and drove out here with his brothers. And then I think within a month later, he was like, Oh, we're moving to California. I found a better job. I was like, hold on, I'm a junior in high school, getting ready to go to my, I mean, a sophomore in high school, getting ready to go to my junior year. That's all I've known. Mm -hmm. You know, my best friend, like I said, we've grown up together. And to say, you're going to uproot me at 16 to another place was like outrageous. My best friend's mom was like, she can stay here. My dad was like, no, everybody leaves. We're yep. all going. So when I did move here, even though I knew some people, but going to a school that had over 2000 kids opposed to a school that may, may have had five to 600, you right. know, graduating right. classes or a little bit over a hundred. If that, Right. the culture, as far as having um, diversity here, there was no diversity. You had only Caucasian and African-Americans. So that's all you knew. Right. And right towards the end, we started getting some Asian American and Korean descendant that came in, you know, and open up a couple of nail shops and stuff. So you start seeing it besides on TV. Right. So once I got here and then, you know, got into school, I mean, it was so different. I was in the band back there. I twirled a flag and did all that. Well, I didn't do that here because of the different music, the you know, just a whole different vibe. Right. So I did decide to play basketball, which I've always done, ran track. We we've always been a sports family. And so that's what I did. Um, met some relatives that I knew about, but had never met that we all went to school together. But just to get into the classroom and just to being in the scene of another state, you know, we was always taught to say yes, ma'am, no ma'am
0: yeah to our
1: peers to our elders and so to get here and you didn't have people doing that and I look at people like wow you guys get to say that <laughs> my mother would you know we, we would get popped for you know for that that was being disrespectful right so uh-huh. it was a lot to take in and not to try to say hey you need not to do that that's that's an adult you you know need to respect right. uh-huh. them yes ma'am. so as even though I've been here 30 years and I've raised my kids to say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. I know there's some people that say, you know, they don't need to say yes, ma'am and no, ma'am. No, that's what I was taught. And that's what I taught my kids. Now, they can also give you the respect to say yes or no, right? but mm-hmm. they're not going to say, yeah, no, none of that. But right. as mm-hmm. an adult, I still say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, to my great aunts, my aunt and my uncle. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, how I was raised.
0: Yeah. And mm-hmm. so
1: it was different. And to just get into that mode of people not recognizing you and saying hello. We're so used to saying hello to people, even if we don't know them. Right. And to get the stares, like, why are you talking to me or why are you speaking to me? That was like really kind of down because, yeah. you know, southern hospitality hey how you doing you know (laughs) it was that was the difference I think for me
0: so with that kind of being said you know and I and I can relate to that in a little way because on one hand like with the saying hi and the manners and hospitality you know Ojai is a really small town so Mm -hmm. it's natural to hey how's it going and wave and smile that's just like a natural thing but you know, now I live in Oxnard and I'm the weird person. Like, why are you smiling? You know? Yeah. (laughs) So, and I'm kind of interested, you know, you made a huge move and a huge jump, total culture shock. So for you, do you feel that you lost like a piece of yourself at all? Because maybe you stopped, you know, saying hi and smiling to strangers? Or do you feel you went the other direction where you're like, I'm just going to bring it to the community?
1: Both kind of. And the way, the reason why I say that, because you know how sometimes you can kind of read people and you like, you know, even now, I still try to find myself, you know, speaking, saying hi And if you kind of look at them and be like, oh, they don't look like they want to be bothered. I do it with my eyes. I kind of do that. And then with having these masks, that's pretty much all we can do anyway. Right. So I think I still get that look because when I smile, my eyes light up and they spread out. And so people still kind of look at me like, well, why is she smiling with her eyes? So it's still in me even after 30 years, you know. And even though I've been here, I've always gone home after my parents. I've always made it a, a choice to take my kids home every other year so that they knew where I came from. They know where to go, where I've lived, every house I've lived in, where my parents grew up, where my dad and mom, you know, my dad was born in our, my great grandparents home. It was it's still standing. So mm-hmm. just to have all that culture and heritage, you know, it's still there. And I've, I've had the opportunity to show them as we've gotten older, haven't gone as much as I would like, but um, you know, life challenges and things mm-hmm. keep you from, from doing it.
0: Right. So, you know, kind of segueing this into to your business. So, Miss Diane Styles, so where does that name come from?
1: Okay, so when I first started doing hair, what I got my license in 95, it was always the style Waves was in. Mm-hmm. So my first business name was Let's Wave and Style It Up. That was for years because I, I always, I love doing waves. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's going to be my trademark. Yes. So then after um, I decided to get my own business as far as building and branching out that way, I named it Miss Diane's because that was my mother's name mm-hmm. and that was something that I knew would always be a part of me. So I went through the process of changing the name and giving it her, her middle name.
0: Yeah. Oh, it made me tear up. Yeah. <laughs> I I always love that. I think, you know, sometimes hearing like people's reasoning of why they they chose the name, you you never know. Like you never know if we hadn't talked about it before, it'd be like, Oh, that's so sweet. So your mom, but you're like, yeah, but my mom passed. (laughs) Like there's, there's such a a vibration to that. So, you know, you went from being a sole proprietor and doing the hustle and and building who you are and building your career. And you said it earlier that I wanted to touch on, you're like, but now I'm a business owner. And this is really interesting to me. So what's the difference here for you? from being a sole proprietor to now you're a business owner? What's the difference for you? Well, starting with a sole proprietor, like you said, you can,
1: you know, booth rent. The booth rent gives you the opportunity. It's your business,
0: mm. your own
1: business, but you're still within a business. So you're just renting a booth, a weekly or monthly rate. I can still make my own hours, you know, do all of that. And I don't have the overhead right as a business owner so going forward now I did that probably what about 11 years 11 or 12 years I was a sole proprietor and at that time that was a good move for me because like I said my kids all of them played sports I was a team mom I ran a youth track club I was on the board for the youth basketball team I was on the boosters when my oldest son was in high school so At that point, it gave me the opportunity to do that. So not having the overhead of insurance, you know, paying electric bills. All I had to be worried about is paying my weekly booth rent and purchasing my products and just going in and doing, you know, my clients. And then moving fast forward to becoming a business owner. It was the point, like I said, my kids are getting older now. I want my kids to see that. As a African American woman, I can also own a business of my own mm-hmm. and with my daughter, I figured she would follow in the footsteps because she is she loved hair and makeup more so makeup. so I wanted and my sons and wanted them to see that you know mom can do this even though I've had loss.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I've gone had to come go back to school, I can run a household and also have my own business. And so took the leap of faith, talked to my husband, and I was able to business up partnership with a existing barber that I had known, but lost contact with her years. Mm -hmm. And we came, you know, full face again, and uh, she was getting ready to sell her business. And I jumped in on the deal, but then I talked her into stand, So we became Mm -hmm. business partners. Mm -hmm. So even though it's a shared overhead, it's still, I have the overhead, it's just not as much as it would have been, so I thank God for her and us, you know, coming back into each other's lives because it was a journey and mm, it was yeah. it was one of those those things, you know. Like I said, God put people in your path for okay. a reason, and found out she had just lost her mom maybe a year or two ago to a drunk driver. Wow, and she was not dealing with it, and I became a person that she could call and talk to and cry to and our bond just became stronger over the in the past 10 11 years that we've been back together so for the most part it was just to show that show my my children that you know they can be business owners if they put their mind to it and that's what they wanted to do
0: right yeah and I want to dive into this topic and I've never really used any platform to talk about this in all honesty And, and the podcast has kind of been bringing it up for me now especially like Sinead, since you know her, mm-hmm. you know, African-American, okay? Let's just like not beat around the bush. You, I'm a white female, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not up against what you're up against. You know, I have certain instances where I've lived in communities that are mostly Hispanic. So, okay, I felt a little off and odd, right? But for you, like, what is it like being an African-American female, trying to create this extraordinary life running a business?
1: Oh, let's see. I can truly say that I really haven't ran across any, I guess it would be a problematic thing,
0: mm-hmm. more
1: so than an African-American male. I think the hair business gives us a little more, gives females a little more uh, advantage. Right. Because, you know, hair is one of our, as the, as the old wise tale. Our grandmothers will say, it's our glory. Hmm. So it's something that we look forward to doing. If you can't do nothing else, you always know you can get your hair done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, before getting your nails done, it was just, you know, your hair. Right. I can truly say since I've lived in California, as far as being a business owner, I haven't had to go through anything where it's been negative. Right. You know,
0: From your perspective, and I, and I guess more I'm curious, how is it that some people have those experiences where they feel like racial negativity or they don't get the same kind of opportunities versus someone that's like, I don't experience that. I'm creating my life. I'm doing the things. How does that two different experiences happen?
1: I think for a lot of it, the area you're in. Mm -hmm. Um, like I said I've been in Oxnard since I moved here I haven't I should say me myself haven't experienced it in a negative way but my son has we've had to where he was racially profiled being a black male Mm
0: -hmm.
1: riding with his hood on on a bicycle he was in from school and he got stopped you know the reasons we end up going further with it we you know it was like well why did you stop him well, he fit the description. Well, the description was what? Uh, three guys in a black car, you know, from a young lady saying she tried to get pulled in the car. Well, my son wasn't in a car. He right. was on a bicycle. Right. You know, so that was the, I would probably say that was has been the only thing that I've had to experience as far as, you know, my sons being, you know, r- racially profiled. Myself, I haven't had the experience Right. Sometimes I'd be like, you know, maybe they need to come, you know, come so we can have a talk. But nobody never really approaches me that way. And as my dad, even like I said, we was raised where it was white, black. You know, I've heard the stories from my dad being chased, almost getting beat down. You know, I've heard it all. Even though my dad had always told me he would say, I have the right to say I don't like white people. Right. It was his right because he grew up in that era, but he didn't teach us to be racist. He didn't teach us to have know what how to experience prejudice, even though we knew what it was because we was raised in a a small rural town, but he never taught us to be that way. I have some uh, good friends that are, you know, Caucasian. And then moving out here where it was predominantly Hispanic, didn't know too much about it. But some of my best good friends are Hispanic women, you know, they come to my house just as if um you know Caucasian so and I teach my kids that you know there are prejudice but you are gonna have to be that person to know when to not have it allowed
0: yeah you know
1: you're gonna have to be knowledgeable about it right it's gonna be there but you're gonna know how to know how to handle it and Mm -hmm. that's what you know my husband and I you know we tried to instill in them
0: yeah and so for you, because, you know, reading over your guest form, and, and I love the word that you said, being a pillar for the youth. So tell me a little bit more about that. It definitely, I'm already getting that you're someone that's very engaged with the community, whether it's through the coaching, the track and the basketball teams and kids, all of that. So when you say like being a pillar for the youth, what does that mean for you? For me, how should where should I start?
1: Okay, as well, like again, so growing up. And moving here, and even though my parents both worked, my dad worked in the hospital, he worked nights, my mother worked during the day. So me and my brother were into the sports because my sisters were a little younger at the time. So I can say when I had a track meet or when I had a basketball game, my brother had a basketball game. One of my two parents was always gonna be at that one of those activities. And most of the time it was always my mother because like I said, my dad worked at night. So I always know if I didn't see her, I was going to hear her. And to me, as a a youth growing up, having a parent by my side, that was the uh, that was like, yes,
0: Mm -hmm. my mom
1: or my dad was going to be there. Fast forward, when my oldest son started playing sports, I started to see the pattern. You know, parents would just drop off their kids, be at practice, you know, waiting outside to get picked up. Then the game would come. And there was nobody in the stands for them. So it became this, this urge for me to step up, you know. And people always tell me, you, you always got somebody at your house. Somebody's kid is always at your house. Well, that came from my mother because she always had, we always had fam- somebody, just not family. Somebody was always at our house. I was without my bed a lot of nights. So and I always told myself I was not going to be that way. But
0: mm-hmm. it was
1: something that was just in me. I just could not stand by. And if my daughter or my son had a friend that needed somewhere to stay because their parents, they wasn't getting a loan or they decided to run away, they had somewhere they can come.
0: Yeah. The parent mm-hmm. would
1: know where they were. You just wasn't mm-hmm. going to come to my house and think it was just a place for you to come. No, we're going to call your parent and we're going to let them know this is what's going on. And so going over into my youngest son, we would have like their senior night's. And you have most of the parents there with their family going on the field, but you had several young men out there without a parent Mm -hmm. and it just broke my heart. And I knew there was not going to be a time that if I can, or me and my husband cannot step up and be somebody for that young person, then I ain't going to say God rest his soul or whatever, but I wanted to be that person, you know? Mm I'll give my last if I got it. And that's just when I say uh, being a pillar, I want people to know that my, my house is a haven. Yeah, it, ain't, it, is. it ain't been that way now because everybody gone, we're empty nesters. But I can tell you from my oldest son, which is now 30 to my youngest son, which is gonna be 19. My household has been the household for young men and you know their friends to come and see, you can have it. You may not have it right now because you may be in a single parent home and whatever your parents are going through, they're going to get through it. But you know, you are welcome to come here. And as long as you act right in my household, you have a place to be.
0: Mm.
1: They, they knew, people knew, or the kids knew when they came to Miss Misha's house, you can stay, eat, hang out, and enjoy yourself, you know? And so that's what, to me, being that that pillar and- uh, to the youth to know that they have somebody they can go to when they can't go to their parents.
0: Yeah. I love that you're bringing this up. You, you know, I'm, I'm, I consider myself a new mom, 3 mm-hmm. got a three-year-old turning four, but I'm still figuring Ooh. it out, right? <laughs> it, and it's interesting to hear you speak on this because you know i've been learning a very tough lesson in my growing a business and having a daughter that you know i've kind of always struggled with i have to pick and choose like mm-hmm. either i want to choose being a badass businesswoman or an amazing mother and it felt real that i had to pick one or the other right yeah. and and on one hand like hearing you talk about that like just being at a soccer game and and the child not having that parent rooting for them and on the stand, you know, I can't see them, but I can hear them. You know, it's not something I've ever thought about, like how, what a difference that makes when, when a kid has that, right. Mm -hmm. You know, for you, it's like, you have a lot of stuff on your plate. So it's interesting. Like, how do you keep the integrity of running your business or being a sole proprietor, but having the responsibility that your children are the priority to be there for them? How do you handle all of that?
1: The lady that I used to rent a booth from, her business was Martin Salon, Faye Tucker. I knew the family way before, I mean, like living in Mississippi, because, you know, most of the people that live in California, they've migrated from Louisiana, Mississippi. So our families have known each other. The one thing that she told me from the very beginning, because I was trying to do this, like you say, I was trying to do the track, trying to make sure I was a good mother and a good wife, and but not neglect my household, but still wanted to do for other people. And I would be in the shop, you know, late at night and my husband, you know, he, he wouldn't say it, but you, you can, you can see it and experience the the tension. And, you know, I would talk to her because she had been in the business for years. And she's like, you know, your customers are going to follow you and do what you ask them to do. You make your own schedule. Your family becomes your priority. And believe me, if they like The services that you do, they're gonna change their times and they're gonna come when you ask them to come. Right. And after I sat down and reorganized myself and my priorities, my business, it was just that. Yeah. I thought I would lose them because, you know, I was trying to do this or, you know, I couldn't accommodate them for this time. But when I took those words in and sat down and reevaluated myself, life just became so much easier. And so I've carried that now all the way, even going into my own, my, you know, my business owner as now, you know, working for the high school and then going into the salon in the evenings, it stayed in me. Mm.
0: If they like what
1: I, the services that I offer them, they're going to follow me or they're going to come when I need them to come. And that's the way it's been. And I haven't had, it It was some adjusting because, you know, I had the morning people, but now, you know, I just do them on the weekends in the mornings. And then the people that can come in the evening, they come in the evening.
0: Mm. Thank you for sharing that, you know. I'm like, if I'm an interview, I'm going to take all, I'm going to be a learner on here. <laughs> and, and it's making me think, you know, uh, on one hand, I, I feel like from my personal experience, what i'm working to like working through mm-hmm. is i'm very creative right and i i almost love the work aspect because it's my outlet where i can dream up all of these things and actually create them into existence for people mm-hmm. so sometimes it feels like if I fully dedicate having my home life and my family be the priority, I'm going to lose a piece of that. Have you ever come up against that where, you know, you've been able to adjust your schedule and make your home life your priority and your kids a priority have you ever experienced, I don't really have enough time to really do what I want, or I'm not really able to, to take my business to the next level because it's not my first priority. Yeah, it's,
1: it's I've had those times <laughs> that, like I said, especially when you have kids and my kids are so like my oldest at the time when me and my husband got together, he was about a year and six months and then we dated for about four and a half years. And then he started running track with the youth. I think he was about nine. And being in the hair business, you know, I worked Tuesday through Saturday, all those days. And then Saturdays, I would start at six o'clock in the morning, sometimes five. And I would be in the shop all day long. Well, during that time, I had my grandmother and my sisters in him. so he really wasn't with my husband because we were only dating. But then when I got married and had my daughter and still trying to do those hours, I had to really think and be like, man, you know, I have my husband at home with the kids every Saturday, you know, there's nothing that I had to, like. I'm missing out. I gotta, I gotta reevaluate. So that's when I really had to sit down like, Hey, you know, I'm gonna start taking every other Saturday off because I need to start putting my family first,
0: mm-hmm. even though this
1: is my business, it pays my bills. But I also want my family to be my first priority. It still has to be a healthy environment. Yeah. And then yeah. um, once I decided to coach, then it became no Saturdays at work. And then I had to t- I tell my husband, OK, well, either we are gonna continue to do these type of hours or you're going to be the main person. And then I'm going to cut back on the hours. And that, like I said, then that allowed me to be at the schools when I needed to be. It allowed me to with the boosters this 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 and that it was quicker for them to call me than to call my husband him being working at as a counselor at UC Santa Barbara he couldn't get home right so we <laughs> down and make some adjustments and he became I mean you know we'll we're, we're two family household you know they always say oh the man's supposed to do this do this no we were a unit
0: yeah, we did yeah. things.
1: It wasn't like, oh, will you pay half of this, you pay half of that. He took care of the things he needed to take care of. And what I made at my job allowed me to take care of our household as far as our bills and, mm-hmm. you know, the kids, clothing, the food and stuff like that. So that was something we sat down and decided upon a couple years into our marriage. And it and it worked for us.
0: Yeah. You know, I, this is so great to hear. And on one hand, it's kind of like me being in the, in the marketing world and constantly on social media. You know, I'm always a you know, mompreneur and, and be the badass that you are. And as you're speaking, I can feel the value of your family, right? And how important that is. And and really knowing what really is important at the end of the day, not not making money versus missing this important moments with your children. Mm-hmm. But in all honesty, I don't see that value very frequently anymore, right? Like mm-hmm. maybe because I'm younger and 27 and in social media, and that's not what's popping on social media, right? But mm-hmm there's, it's almost like people are losing the value of family, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, for people that are here listening that may be in, in my situation that are younger or people that are like trying to be this six figure badass woman running a business that still has a family at home, you know, what kind of guidance can you give to get back to that value of family?
1: Well, like you say, you know, it's always about money. I mean, yes, money is a source because you have to live, but it goes back to how I was raised, you know, being humble. I didn't have much. I saw the cows being fed, raising hogs, catching fish. You know, we had to slaughter the livestock to have food in our freezers. We grew our vegetables. I had to pick peas. I had to, you know, do all that. And so I think that's where my humbleness comes from and knowing how to not have was on assistance, you know, the government, all the government assistance, we had that because, you know, Mississippi was a poor state
0: still is,
1: but you know, they're rising. So to come to California and to where they say it's the, you know, it's a a better way of living, but we still didn't make a lot because it was, you know, four of us in a three bedroom Well, we started in a three bedroom apartment And then, you know, we got into a house. But those same values came with us because my dad, we got that house. He planted a garden. (laughs) We still had that garden. We still picked. I still mowed the lawn. We didn't have a gardener to, uh, you know, do those things for us. Being the oldest, I still, you know, had to wash dishes and do all that. So for me, family is important. Yeah. The money, you need the money to live. That's just life, but it was never a thing. You know, I'd look at business owners and some that, you know, they do this, do this because they want, you know, the nice cars or they this business. My little 800 square foot place down in Port Hueneme is just me and my business partner. You know, I get asked, well, why you don't get a bigger place? And you know, get people under you so you don't have to do this. And that I said, cause that's not how I want to run my business. My business is just enough for me to take care of my clients, give them their need. And as long as my household is taken care of, my kids are taken care, that's all I need. I don't need to have a whole lot of riches. I have a car that runs good, no car, no. And we have a nice car. Me and my husband both drive BMWs, but I've worked to get that and make my own payment and we allowed you know we've been blessed to own our home for 20 years but it came with sacrifices so yeah you can want and have a lot of those riches but are those riches going to make you happy Mm -hmm. because I yeah I don't want to be poor and broke but I can say I might not have the money I want to do some of the things some of my other friends that do but I have my house I have my kids. I've been blessed to have my sons go to four-year colleges without having to pay for it. You know, my daughter decided not to go to school, but she is on her own in Texas. She's running her own business. She also works, but she's trying to get her own little business off the ground. So those are the type of values that I wanted to instill in my kids to know that, yeah, you can work for yourself and still work. But mm-hmm. know that just having money doesn't solve problems. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes it can make the problems worse. Right. You know? right. So that's kind of how I take it.
0: Yeah. Pointing back to something you've mentioned a couple of times, like it's so perfect that like God sends you the right people, you know, and and I always think, you know, it's no coincidence who I end up having here on the show. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really cool because, you know, on my end, trying to navigate, okay, motherhood and business, you know, and you said it, money doesn't solve problems. And I thought it did, right? If we I all do at that age, right. yeah, you know, <laughs> right. You know, and, and I think it's, and I appreciate that you saying that not only for me and and whatever I'm going through, but also for just the listeners, whether they're, they're brand new in business or maybe they've been in business for a long time and it's constantly about, you know, I got to make more and I got to get more and hustle and grind. Right. And it's really not, you're not, you're not getting the point. Like what's really valuable is like a relationship and connection. So I think that is Mm -hmm. such a beautiful thing that you said and brought here to this conversation. Yeah. So as you look in you know, now you have the empty house or what do you call it? I got an empty, empty nester. nester. <laughs> yeah, you're an empty nester. So, you know, this is kind of an interesting place for you. So now your, your kids are gone. You've got a quiet house. What does life look like for you now?
1: Well, I say I'm an empty nester only because my kids gone. But as I've said, you know, there's always somebody's at my house. Well, we, we still have one person here. Yep. <laughs> My son's um, friend, they grew up together. She was a cheerleader. They actually uh, grew up in Pop Warner. She was a cheerleader. And then in high school, when they went to high school together, she came over after football game, it became just, you know, the weekend, then, you know, the week. And I was like, I told my husband, she can take the spare bedroom. She's here. So even though my kid, my, my son is gone, she's still here. Um, and she'll probably be here. She's getting ready to move to Houston probably in another month or two. So it was like, there's no need for you to pack up and go to your mom and dad. And then, even though they live right here down the street, she go visit them anytime she want. But she's like, she's our play daughter and she's just a part of our family. So until she leaves, then we'll become empty, empty nesters, but right. she works and she's hardly ever here. So it still seems like it's an empty nester. But, um, for me, it was quiet in the beginning. Cause we've always had somebody at our house, you know, we got a 14 year old boxer that, you know, she just kind of lays around my husband. He he's a counselor at Oxnard college. So he's in the office working. And then I work out here in our little den area. And before all of that, they say, you know, you can become a jack-of-all-trades. Well, I have a little jewelry business that I do at home.
0: Oh, you Uh, do? um,
1: Yeah, paparazzi is a... $5 Five dollar consultant, you know, named it P and D Jewels again. That uh, family dynamic. The P is for Paul and the D is for Diane, which are my parents' initials. So mm-hmm. I I named that uh, my jewelry business after them, P and D Jewels. And so I do that right here, and that keeps me busy, even though we can't go do nothing through COVID. Because of COVID right now, but uh, we've been able to, you know, we had to take our oldest, our youngest son to the University of Montana. So I've been there twice. Um, when he turned 18, I went back and spent the weekend with him. And then my daughter moved to Texas back in July of 2020. I drove her to uh, Texas. And so we were able to go and help her get situated in her apartment in November. And then my husband. And I, and then my oldest son from Vegas, we all flew back out there in December and was able to spend Christmas as a family with her and my sisters. Mm. So it's rewarding sometimes because I'm like, whoo, Yeah. You're like, you're still busy. (laughs) I'm still busy. um, Even though... Crack is not going on. I still coach at the high school. I still help run the um, Oxnard Stars as co-president. I'm still on the board with the Warriors football team and also the on the board as president of the Oxnard football team. So even though I don't have my kids, and that's why I say being a pillar, because I still do these things. Um, my kids haven't ran with Oxnard Stars since my youngest was 13. But I've been involved since my oldest one back in... Well, he's born in 91. He started. So he started in 96 or 97. So I've been with Octonage Stars for that long. So that's why I say being a pillar for youth, meaning I'm still giving my time to help out. I didn't do it just because my kids did it. Because you have a lot of parents that do that. They're just doing it because of their kids. I do it because I love it. Mm-hmm. And I do it because if there's a kid that loves doing it and they want to be there, if they need a ride or they need the money to pay for it, you know, if I have it, we find a way to get it. Right. Um, that's just how I, you know, I say that's how my mother them raised me, and it yeah. just stems on
0: throughout. Yep. You know, and I have to ask you one one more question. You yeah. you sound like freaking superwoman. <laughs> how do you take care of yourself, right? Like. How do you take you? I mean, you're like giving out all the time. How do you give back to yourself? Well, before
1: COVID, I would work. I worked out. I had a trainer. I never can do it on my own. I tried doing it on my own, but I couldn't. So to stay healthy, I I pay somebody to help me stay fit. But Mm -hmm. right now we're not doing that because uh, through all that I do, I, you know, people don't see it. But I have, you know, some health issues, but I try not to let that get me down. As long as I work out, my husband, my husband's an avid person that goes to the gym. We eat healthy. You know, we, he went through um, cancer about four, five years ago, prostate cancer. So when we went through that, we kind of sat back and um, reevaluated the way we ate now. So we don't, we never really ate a lot of pastas and rice. And if we did, we did brown rice, but going through that process, we took out the processed foods. You know, even now we only eat a meat and a vegetable. If we do rice or noodles or something like that, is either when I'm cooking some type of beans or we having some type of spaghetti. And so like right now we put ourselves on a month long, no rice, no pastas, no breads. So we just, you know, little things that we try to keep ourselves amused.
0: Yep. <laughs> you yep. know. I, I bet if I kept talking for you for a couple hours, I'm sure I would find out there's a hundred more things <laughs> that you do. Hollywood. <laughs> <I> <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, you are so inspiring. You know, I, I think you. what I'm definitely taking away from, I'm about to go sit down and talk to my husband, be like, all right, I gotta get my life right with my kid and family. <laughs> oh yeah. I'll, right?
1: But I, I tell I tell people, you know, um, because me and my husband, uh, November 1st would be 24 years we've been married. And um, I tell people, you know, they say them first seven years are hard. And I tell them, I said, well, the first 10 (laughs) was hard because being the oldest, my father, even though I had two older brothers from, you know, he had an older son. My mother had a son from her first marriage, but being the oldest, you know, I was taught to do a lot of things that the boys were supposed to do. Right. So mm-hmm. very independent. And I carried that into my relationship with my husband. And I tell people it's okay to be independent, but it's also okay to let your husband be the man and not try to go in thinking you this tough person.
0: And right. I tell people,
1: I got set down. I almost got put out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, So I literally, he set me down and said, we either going to work on this or we're going to go our separate ways. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh my God, I said, why am I going to hide that? That's life. Right. There's no perfect marriage. And if somebody tell you there is, they're lying. You know, we've had to struggle to get to where we are. And I can truly say these last 12, 13 years have been the best years of my marriage. We yeah communicate, which that was not a strong point of mine I was not a communicator yeah. but I communicate I love my husband we can sit down and joke and laugh and talk and and that's just that's when you say how do I as far as my family that's what I see being humble
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: transparent and just being a family person
0: yeah I so appreciate you, and I, I want to spend more time with you. You know, <laughs> and soak up all your magic. You're you're really someone like who you are for me is someone that you took a lot of hard circumstances and you made the best out of them. Mm-hmm. And and I love the integrity that you've always kept about family. I think that is just so refreshing to hear and to experience. And I, I want to come over. I'm like, <laughs>
1: hey, I once come, COVID come hang out. Yeah, COVID over, I, child. That's what people. My my best friend. She always tell me. She say, "You do not know how to say no." <laughs> I, yep. I'm trying to learn. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's one of my. I ain't gonna say weak points, but you know, yeah, I'm I'm learning. Yeah. I'm learning, but that's just me. I you know, if I'm here, if I'm able to help, just to be a listening ear. I don't have all the answers. Right. But sometimes somebody just needs somebody to talk to that's not family because family can just tell you what you want to hear. Right. I need somebody to tell me the truth. Now, my best friend, <laughs> I'd probably, I I can be mad at her, but she always tells me the truth. Right. And I may right. not like it, but I take it in and I was, I'd be like, she right. You know, yep. she right. And th- and that's the type of person, you know, I want to I be.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you're doing a real, a real good job at that. Thank you. So, for all of the listeners here, how can they stay connected with you? For my hair business, I'm on Facebook under Miss
1: Diane Styles by Kamiska, and also on Instagram. I think it's Miss
0: underscore Diane's. Google I'll link on. it also.
1: Yeah, yeah, but it's under Miss Diane's. Um, uh, both on Instagram and Facebook. If you Google me, you'll you'll find me. Cause like I said, I've been in the business for 25 years. So, and then a lot of it is word of mouth, you know?
0: Okay. And what about your jewelry business? I want to see
1: what you got. Oh yeah. My jewelry business is P and the word and D jewels. dot store. That's my own personal store. That's my inventory I have here at home, but my personal website that Paparazzi gives me when I joined it's P and D jewels.com. And it's, a lot of jewelry on there too. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram under both names, PND Jewels. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time. And I'm so excited to keep connecting with you. Thank you so, for having me. Yes, you're so welcome. Until we meet again. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And I look forward to it.